You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School Class, led by Pastor Greg Voorhees, Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, on Sunday, July 23rd, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. Good morning, everyone. Had a nice, sunshiny day out there. Well, it was on the way in. We it was raining so hard on the way in, we could barely see for a little bit. Really? Oh yeah. No, it was. We left the house. Seriously, like, it looks like it might rain. Five minutes later, we could barely see. It was. Uh, it was raining hard. Alrighty, let's let's open up in prayer, and then we'll we'll dive start diving into our questions. There I go doing my clicky thing again. I'm stuck part of this wire in my pocket. I think it's that wire touching something. Is uh, <laughs> this what's causing that? All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. God, as we continue this chapter, talking about the fact that we are your witnesses, God, teach us to be better witnesses for you. Teach us to, to be braver. Teach us to, to look for those opportunities and, and, and to step into obedience to the Great Commission. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. If I recall correctly, we were actually getting ready to start question five on page 88. Is that what you all had? We we'd read about the different uh, we just read about the different uh, witnesses that that we've been studying Mary Magdalene Nicodemus Peter Matthew so question five on page eighty eight the first that question is the first four books of the New Testament are first century accounts of Jesus's three year ministry written by guys who were alive at the time how does knowing that change the way you read them. So how does how does the uh, knowing that the gospels were written by people who were alive and saw these things, you know, how does that change the way you read it? Well, they would know more than say somebody that heard about it after the fact. You know, if you write a biography about yourself and you talk about your own life. Hmm? I think it makes it more meaningful, absolutely. I, I know if you're, uh, um, if you ever have to write papers, uh, any kind of historical papers, there are primary sources, secondary sources, and, and triatory sources. Uh, the, the, the primary source are the people who either saw it themselves or somebody who got the information directly from somebody who saw it themselves. Out, once you kind of go outside that, that second person, it's no longer a primary source. But why, does, why, does, why do historians, even in the secular world, why do they pay so much attention to these, these primary sources? I think it had to do with that, exactly what Barbara was saying, because it, it kind of gives validity to you know what what you're reading they saw it uh, one of the things that i think that's really interesting about the gospels is some of the things that some of the things people will read the gospels and say well this gospel says this and this gospel says that 
and they're slightly different. You know, what's, what's, what's the deal with that? You know, and I've, I've addressed that in the past, but, but it's um, the fact that if, if all of these stories lined up perfectly, then this would have been four guys that got together and, and put, to get, put a story together to make it look perfect. Because if, you, if, 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 if I had an event right here and four people wrote about it in, in different places in the sanctuary, the account is going to be slightly different because their, their point of view of what they're seeing. Uh, you know, one person may have heard something a little bit different depending on their positioning to me. The, the fact that, that these, what, what some people call contradictions, I, I don't see them as contradictions. I see them as eyewitness statements. Eyewitness statements vary. It, it's not, that's not a bad thing. So the, the, fact that, the fact that these four stories have slight variations in them actually validates to me that they are indeed primary sources, that they are indeed first-person accounts. Because, if, again, if they, if they lined up perfectly, if the wording was identical or the exact same, well, he took three steps to the right and six steps back, and that, all of them were lined up perfectly like that, that would tell me it was, it was fictional. You know, that this was either, it was either something that, that they made up or something where they got together and was like, okay, let's, let's get our story together and, and make this. The fact that these, little, that these little differences in the Gospels, to me, validates their validity and validates the fact that they are indeed first-person accounts of what these people saw. And I think it does make it more meaningful. Oh, absolutely. The only time I've ever gotten the same story, and this is why the first thing you do when you show up on a crime scene is you separate everybody. Because if you let them sit in a, in a space together, all of a sudden their stories start matching. There's, there's also things, um, there's also things that, that um, you know, we don't always remember the same pieces. You know, so it's, and again, so if, the, the fact that the, the fact that these four gospels were written by people who either were there or got statements directly from people who were there, and we, we know for a fact that Luke did that. You know, Luke says it in the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke and Acts. He's writing to his, his buddy Theophilus that we have no idea who he is, and he says, you know, my, my, my dear Theophilus, he says, this is an eyewitness account. You, you know, so Luke, Luke is special with the Gospels. We have, no evident, we have no reason to believe he was there for anything in, in, during the, the, what we read in the book of Luke. And he, but he says this is an account of eyewitness statements. You, you know, so, so Luke was kind of like an investigative, he was like kind of like an investigative um, person where he was digging in. And find you know how else how else can we see that the the song of the song of Mary you know that's only in the book of Luke you know why is that because he would have gotten that straight from Mary you know some of the things in the birth of Christ you know you know that's why every Christmas what book do we read more than anything else it's the book of Luke you know because Luke you know none of the other three we know would have been there when Christ was born so all of this information. 
that, that was coming from Luke, he was still getting it directly from the person who saw it. I, I, I would bet any bank on the fact that the, the whole Christmas story we read is Mary's account given directly to Luke. And, I, and which tells me that we can trust. We can trust what Mary was saying about it. No, nobody's going to know more about you know, the Christmas story than Mary. He, you know, because we know Joseph was long gone. You know, we, we don't see any, we don't see any evidence of him being alive after, after the incident where they lose Jesus. He, you know, and we got that, that period of time where, where we, we have no account of the life of Christ and he pops up in his, the last three years of his life and Joseph is nowhere after. So we, we assume Joseph was dead. So this, 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 even, even in the book of Luke, you know, he would have been getting stuff directly from people like Mary who uh, were absolutely there. I wish I knew what I was doing to trigger that. It might be me. <laughs> and I'm kind of like figuring out what it, it, it has to be something with my wire. I don't know if something's touching something. But back to, but back to that question though, I, I think Barbara's absolutely correct. I, I think it makes it more meaningful Understanding that this comes from people who saw these things, he, you know, it's more meaningful and it's more real because this is an actual account of, of people who were there. You know, a lot of the a lot of the stuff we see in the Book of John, or, or we anything. Why else? Why would we know that anything we read in the Book of John about the crucifixion was would be pretty darn accurate? Because he was the only one at the foot of the cross. He was the only one that, that he would have been there and seen everything that was there. You know, so that makes it more meaningful. He, you know, the fact that anything that John has to say about the crucifixion makes it more meaningful because we know he was there. This is the stuff he saw. These are the things that he heard. These are, it, it, it's so much better than, you, you know, you know, one of the church fathers, you know, three centuries later talking about these things. And, you know, we look at their writings with, oh, well, they're pretty close to the source. No, they're like three centuries away. You know, the Gospels are much more meaningful because they're first-person first accounts. And, and, and also, especially with John, that's why John's my favorite. You know, John really brings out the relational side of Christ because he had that, he was, he, he had that close relationship with Christ. You know, he, you know, he loved calling himself the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> you know, and, and there, but there's, of course, he loved all of them. But, but he, Jesus did obviously have a, a, a close, an especially close relationship with, with Peter, John, and Andrew. You know, it, it's just because he was, they were always there. They, they were in that, that close circle. So anything that, anything that would come from these three guys especially, you know, it's, it's, I think it's more meaningful. I think that's a good answer there, Barbara. Does anybody else want to add anything to that? No? And, and I, I guess in the context, actually before we move forward, I guess the context of, in the chapter, because we're talking about being witnesses, the, it, it, it becomes more meaningful too because these are these men being witnesses for Christ. You, you know, let's bring it... I was, I was kind of separating a little bit from the context of the lesson, but but the all three of these men have written these these accounts down because they were wanting to be a witness to the things that they have seen and heard 
about the, the life of Christ and who he is. You know, so it, it's, it's also, you know, I've talked a lot about the Great Commission, the fact that, hey, you know, to be, oh, man, there's those pictures. I forgot to give Sue. The, the uh, uh, Tammy gave us some cool pictures. <laughs> the, the uh, oh, my, that's terrible. But no, this, it's, it's, it's these four men being obedient to the, to the, to the Great Commission. You know, they're, they're being witnesses. They're teaching and, and preaching, and, and they're doing all the things that they were instructed to do. So number six, it says, to be a witness is to see, hear, or know through personal experience. Describe your personal experience with Jesus and use this moment to testify to your, about, to your own heart about what he's done for you. So to see, hear, and know through personal experience, describe your personal experience with Jesus and use this moment to, right now to testify to in your own heart about what he's done for you. So what's, we, we've seen the heart of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the, at least the people that they've talked to. What's some of your stories? What, what's your... Uh, What's your story with Jesus? What's he mean to you? What, what, what has he done for you? This is your opportunity to be a witness, just like, the, uh, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is your opportunity in a, amongst friends to be a witness. Let's, let's get a testimony, y'all. I'll just make one more. Everything. Everything. Absolutely. He's everything. Was somebody want to be brave enough to talk about that moment that they said, hey, Jesus, I need you. You know, where was it? What was it like? What brought you to that place? I don't doubt child conversions at all. The, the, I believe a lot of times it has to do with the, the maturity of the child. I think an eight or nine-year-old can definitely understand right and wrong. An eight, nine-year-old can definitely understand, you know, you know, hey, you know, this person tells me I need this Jesus guy and make a decision. I, I mean, I was... I mean, I used to be a children's pastor. I mean, I, I didn't do that just, just you know, for, for nothing. You know, when I was up there at Hayfield, I mean, I was doing it because I believed that these kids had the ability to learn and to make decisions, laying foundations. You, you know, so that's... Uh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, he's, 
and that's that's the age that Holden is, and he's he asks questions that, that, that his mom will say, "You need to talk to your grandfather about that." You, you know, so he's I, I mean he he asks deep questions. He, you know, so I, I believe a, a a kid that age absolutely can can wrap their head around it and make decisions. I, I, I mean this, uh, you know, even though he he asks very deep questions and he's very he is thinking things through you know in, 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 a, in a level that impresses me but you know he's still a kid he, you know my my uh, um, I don't remember exactly the story I told it in church but the, the, the fact that uh, the dogs were having a fight under a bed or under the table and, and he, he said well he'd hoped that I had gotten uh, bitten instead of him. I'm like, well, that, what's the deal with that? He says, because, you know, J Jesus wants us to put other people first. And, and it's just, and I'm sitting there thinking, he has a flair for sarcasm, but, but, but knowing him, I'm sitting there thinking, he's probably being sincere, right? At the, I mean, it was literally putting people, putting people first. I was like, well, gee, thanks, buddy. He, you know, I, yeah, I'm glad that I, I would have gotten bit instead of you, but still, I, I mean, you know, so even though we can sometimes be, even as adults, we can sometimes have those childlike mentalities or thoughts or, or thinking processes. But, but no, I, I think children can absolutely make make those decisions. You know, don't ever don't ever shy away to say, "Hey, I, I came to Christ when I was four, well, maybe four is a little early, six, seven, eight years old." You, you know, that, that that's I, I think there's absolutely something to it. I mean, my I was a kid. I asked Jesus in my heart. I could not. I can't begin to tell. I know I was still going to, to Pikeside United Methodist Church, but I've talked about David Cook, the guy that was he was the music guy for the children's ministry at Pikeside United Methodist Church where I grew up, and him talking about us having dirty hearts and 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 just like our our, our mothers will clean out our closets with the broom, Jesus wants to come in and clean our hearts out and. And, and and we sang into my heart every single Sunday, and I'm, I mean, that that's that that kids do have that ability, you know. That's it's now for me when I absolutely knew I, I was young, young, and even though I asked Jesus in my heart, I I, I don't know, I, I I don't know if that would have been the time I would consider my salvation moment. The time I considered my salvation moment, I was a teenager because I knew then. Uh, I mean, because it, was, it wasn't my parents' faith, it wasn't my Sunday school teacher's faith, it wasn't anybody's faith, it was my, it was me, you know, saying, hey, I, I, I need you. And the thing that was really cool about it is the way the Holy Spirit works. I didn't feel the need for God. He, you know, I was a, this was between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. I mean, I was a football player. I mean, I was, I, I, I was you know, athletic. I was all these things, and, you know, I had... I thought I had the, my world, you know, by the tail. I mean, every, you know, every, you know, 14, 15 year old kid thinks they got the world by the tail, you, you know, and that, that that's, but that moment in Fishnet, you know, when John Jacobs was talking about the Holy Spirit and, and everything, I mean, it just, it, it clicked. I mean, it was just like this light bulb came on and I understood, you know, for the first time that no, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't do it without him. You know, just being in church isn't enough. You, you know, I've been in church my whole life, but just being in church, is, it, it, it's, it's not enough. It has to be Jesus. It can't be church attendance.
You, you know, and that's, that's one of the big reasons I've always told people in church, you, you know, you need a vacation, you need to take a week or two off, take a week or two off. Jesus, he's not keeping attendance, you know, kind of thing. You're not going to lose your salvation or go to hell because you miss a couple of Sundays. I mean, you know, sometimes we just have to kind of live life, you know. But the important thing is, 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 is where's your heart? But, but on the flip side, even though I say that, I also say just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. Your relationship with Jesus is the only thing that makes you a Christian. And that's the thing that, that scares me about the church in America. I think so many people in the church in America believe that we're a Christian nation because we have so many churchgoers. You, you know, but I, I would say that that's a scary thought. That's a scary belief system. That's a scary thing to believe that just because... Why, what makes that scary? What, makes, what, is, what is a faith that, that believes because you go to church every Sunday morning, Sunday evening... And Wednesday evening, what kind of faith is that? What is that? That is a that is a salvation based on works. What have we been talking about in Romans for the last couple of weeks? You can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way in and in, in the heaven by your your perfect church attendance. Yeah, we might pat you on the back. Oh, you've not missed a single Sunday for three years. And I don't say it. I'm not trying to crack on that. I'm not. I'm not. That's not my point. But that doesn't get you to heaven. And that's, that's the thing, that, that was that moment for me at Fishnet. You know, that moment for me when I realized that just because my parents were believers and just because I was, went to church my entire life, because of all these things, and because I thought I was a relatively good person, you know, even though I, I was, that year I was like a real big bully, so I wasn't a good person, but in my head I was. You, you know, that moment clicked. It's like, wait a minute. You, you, you know, and, and that, that moment has changed everything. You know, that, that was the summer of 87. The, the, you know, so I've got a few years, just a few years under my belt with, with Jesus. But on the flip side of that, I, I can say this, even though my mind changed and my heart changed, this has been a, 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 this has been a 30 plus year lesson where where you never ever just seem to always get it right. You never just always, you, just, you still make mistakes decades into your relationship with Christ. You, you know, it doesn't matter you know, what your degree says on the wall. It doesn't matter how many years you have. You, you still make mistakes. But that's something that Jesus is in me. He's, he's, that, that, he's that grace. He's, he's, that, he's that thing that, that, that even though I'm still wrestling this, this fleshly thing and all the stupid things that come with it, that, that he still extends grace. It doesn't matter you know, the times. I, I drop the ball all the time. I, I mean, different ways. You, you know, we, 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 almost all of us just drop the ball. Why? Because it's so easy. It's so easy to drop the ball. It's so easy to do the wrong thing. But on the flip side, you, 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 the, the more time you get with Jesus, the more you, you appreciate this idea of repentance, this, this idea of agreeing, you know, yeah, I'm a, I messed up. You know, I don't want to do this again. Help me not do this again. The more you appreciate that, yeah, even though I've done some stupid stuff, his grace is sufficient for me. There's this, there's this part that as you get decades under your belt, you start thinking, yeah, Lord, I, I really do need to decrease, and you really do need to increase. 
You know, so our relationship grows and grows as we as long as we continue to pursue that thing and, and not treat Jesus like like the genie in the bottle. You, you know, okay, I've got a, I, I, I'm having a hard time making my house payment this month. You know, rub the God help me with some money. You, you know, or you know, Lord, I've been pretty sad for six or seven days in a row now, six or seven months now. You know, run, you know, come to him like the genie in the bottle. You know, make me feel better. You know, that's not pursuing a relationship. When, when, when you're pursuing a relationship with Christ, you do do those things, though. You, you, you talk to him about the things that bother you. You talk to him about the things that, hey, you, you, you know, I'm feeling sad. I need help with feeling sad. I'm falling down. I need help getting back up. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That is part of the relationship. It's, it's, it's one thing, though, of, of understanding that this part of a relationship with Christ is the icing on the cake and not the cake. The cake is the relationship with Christ himself. That's what's so important. And, and I think when we start thinking, when we start thinking in these terms of, of, of how the fact that Christ is everything, and that he is genuinely the cake, and, and, and all these other cool things like, like, like grace and, and forgiveness and strength and picking me up when I fall down, that, that this is the icing on the cake, when I start living like this, this cake is important to me, it, it becomes easier to talk about to other people. So, so here's the rabbit trail. It's coming back to witnessing. So this, this, this relationship that we have and this thing that Christ is for you, the more real it becomes to you and the more real it becomes in you, the easier it should be to tell people about it. You, you know, and, and it's, I get being a witness is a scary thing. I, I, I get that. You know, I get that sometimes we think that, that, that you know, they're going to think I'm a fruitcake if I just walk up and start talking to them about this Jesus guy. Or, or, or maybe that, you know, this has been a friend of mine for a while. Maybe they won't want to be my friend if, you know, if I really talk about this. You know, th those are real fears. And, and, the, and to be honest, some of them have calls. You, you know, we've, we've talked about that. Jesus said, I came to bring division. You know, what, what, what did he mean by that? He, he meant that you were going to have to make a choice, and some people weren't going to make the same choice that you were going to make. And that, that may cause them to drift. You, you know, when he talked about the, the brother against brother, the, the, you know, when he was talking about the whole, you know, peace or division, not, not peace, he, he came so that we would have to make a decision, and people aren't always going to make that decision. So when, when we're being a witness for Christ... We still need to be the witness because of who he is to us, because he is the cake and the icing to us. But we, but we have to understand, sometimes that has to be bigger to us than their fear of, of, of what we might lose by being a witness. And, 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 and again, you, you may very well lose friends. You may lose family over Christ. You know, because they may not choose the same way that you've, cho you've chosen. But it also doesn't change Christ's mandate to share. You, you, you know, that, that is what, that's what the Great Commission is. Going in the world, you, you, you know, teaching, teaching people of, of the ways of, 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 that, that he's taught us. That is what the Great Commission is all about. Making disciples, teaching them. How do we make, how do we make a disciple? We witness to the people. 
That's how you create a follower who becomes a student of Christ, is we share about Jesus, we talk about Jesus. That's how the Great Commission is accomplished. That's how you, that's how you grow your, your Jesus circle. That's how you grow your church. That's how you grow, you know, having godly friends around you is being a witness. Some may not choose, some may. And, and I'll tell you, I, 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 God opens these. We pray so often, God, let me be a witness, open up these windows, open these doors so I can be a witness. He does, and so often we don't walk through those doors. So I think every time that we pray, God, let me be your witness. Let me be a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let me be those. Let me be these guys. I think we need to attach to that. Open up these opportunities and let me be brave enough to step in through those doors. In fact, let's make it a three-point part prayer. We won't go any further than three. Open up these opportunities. Give me the discernment to see that this is that opportunity and let me be brave enough to walk through. Because I'll tell you, this discernment is a huge thing. You know, recognizing open doors is open doors. You, you know, there's more to discernment than just understanding that when you're, you know, we like to talk about discernment of like, you know, Marlene, you, you know, she tells me these different things. I, I, I'm, I'm discerning that the stuff that Marlene's telling me, she, she's, that's good stuff she's saying or bad stuff. That, that, is, that is discernment. But there's more to discernment than that. Discernment is also recognizing situations for what they are and seeing things for what they are. So we need to ask God for the discernment to have what we like to call in law enforcement, situational awareness, understanding what is going on around us. So that when, because if we pray, God, open a door. I promise you, I promise you, there's not a doubt in my mind as sure as I'm sitting on this pew right now, if you ask God to open the door to be a witness, he will open the door for you to be a witness. It will happen. There, there, there's, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not one of these things like, you know, God, I'm going to pray for a paint Cadillac. I may or may not get it. It's not that kind of thing. If you ask God for something that is for the furtherance of the, the kingdom of God, he will 100% of the time answer that prayer. So when you say, God, God, let me be a witness. God, let me be a witness. Open the door. I assure you 100% that door will open. But that's why you have to pray for discernment. So that you have that situational awareness that you understand that, wait a minute, that's, a, that's an open door. You, you know, that's that thing I prayed about. You, you know, and sometimes it's really, really subtle. Sometimes it might be, I prayed for an open door, and you see somebody sitting in a chair just looking distraught. That, that could be an open door. That might be an open door that God's opening to you. You know, Bill saw a guy wearing a cross. It was an open door. He opened up a conversation about it. That was an open door. You know, and that's, that's, that's one of these things where we have to pray that he does it, and he will. We have to pray that we recognize that door, that we have that discernment, and to give us the bravery to step up. You know, because let's, let's talk about the price sometimes for being a witness. I really have no idea what, what, what's, what I'm doing to cause that. Ken being a witness, we talked about you could lose friends or family. Ken being a witness 
Can it have a higher cost than that? Let's, let's, look, at the, let's look at the writers of the, of the Gospels. Matthew, did he pay a high price for being a witness? Well, first he lost his tax collector job. That was pretty, that was pretty, uh, that would have made him a lot of money. You know, he probably had a, he, had, he probably had a nice, nice pad and maybe in the Roman district, you know, you know, a nice place to live, you know, and then he became homeless with Jesus. Home, Jesus was homeless the last three years of his life. I mean, it really was, if you think about it, he just wandered from place to place as the spirit led him. He gave all that. Here's the thing. Ultimately, Matthew died a martyr's death. They all did. The only person that didn't die a horrible death that we know of is John. You, you know, and, and, I, and I, I'm not ruling out the fact that he was the only one that stayed around at the foot of the cross. What, you know, may have spared him. I, I don't know. There's no way to know that. But everybody else, all of the other, all of the other disciples died horrible deaths. Uh, I, I mean, it wasn't, you know... You know, tradition, and the reason I say it's tradition, it's not written in the scripture, but, but, but it's people who would have been pretty reliable sources and it's been passed down pretty consistently over centuries now is, is that Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same fashion that Christ died. We know that some of the disciples, and I wish I could tell you which one died which way. I don't have that in my head. I remember one was sawed in half, one was pulled to pieces by horses, you know, one of them died by the sword. I mean, these were not, these were not pleasant deaths. And why were they killed in this way? Because they were witnesses. You know, so when we say that we are all in with Jesus, I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm all in with Jesus when I live in a country that doesn't have people knocking down my door with guns saying, are you a Christian? And if you say yes, or haul you off and make you a slave, it's easy for me to say I'm all in. But I do believe that when we say we're all in, that he opens up these opportunities for witnessing and we should be asking for those, asking for that discernment, asking for the, for, for the oomph to walk through those doors. Because it's not natural to us. You know, even though we have, even though we have a, a, a new spirit, we still wrangle with the, the, the old flesh that, that says it's way easier not to talk about Jesus. That's what the old flesh tells us. This flesh tells us it's way easier not to get in conflict over Jesus. It's, it's way easier not to invoke the name of Jesus in, in, in an argument or a discussion over something. It's way easier just to leave your mouth shut. And I can assure you, it is always way easier to keep your mouth shut. Except for when somebody's you know, got you all rocked up and you're, you're ready to get into a fist fight with them. That's when it becomes hard to keep your mouth shut. But in most cases, most cases, it's, it's easy. It's easy just not to say anything. And I think that's what happens to us, why, we, you know, why we're so bad at this witness thing. You, you know, it, it's just so easy not to witness. Does anybody else want to share about their story, about when they came to Christ or what he is to them or some witnessing story? This this is a dialogue. This this isn't a monologue up here. This dialogue conversation. I'll just say I yeah. came to the Lord in nineteen sixty six. 
Hmm. And then I know mom had been listening to Oliver B. Green radio at the house. And I used to listen to it and she would send for his stuff and she would, uh, you know, I would look at it, read some of it, what I could. And uh, Herb Fitzpatrick became our pastor of our church down in Riverdale, hmm. which uh, he started doing evangelistic having evangelists in and stuff. Mm-hmm. We had a, one fellow in, his name was Richard Green, which was the same name as the movie star that used to play Robin Hood on TV. He said, I'm no relation to him, I'm not him. You know, and I remember sitting in church, hearing what he had to say, and I wanted to go forward, but I was afraid. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a few months later, he had Dolphus Price in. A lot of people here know Dolphus Price. He's been here at this church. Matter of fact, I think he about beat the pulpit to death up there, and we had to uh, reinforce it and stuff. But anyway, wow, um, that's a solid pulpit. <laughs> Mom and Dad were going every night, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to go forward. But during the invitation, I would, you know, we're standing, and I was holding on to the pew. I didn't want to go white knuckling and everything. I was afraid, afraid mm-hmm. to go forward, and. mom start to move out that side of the aisle down here and I was sitting over there and that's all it took man I went forward and I don't remember everything that was told to me and everything I remember Harry Richards was the deacon that led me to the Lord in which Harry was from over here in North Mountain uh, and uh, but anyways uh, then the family got baptized and everything and I was so excited that I was going to heaven I really knew but then there was a few years, there wasn't no real youth pastor or anything like that. And, you know, you just going into junior, well, yeah, I was already in junior high. But uh, going into high school and everything, and you get mixed up in that bunch of stuff. Then we had a youth pastor come in, Arnie Smith. And he was a big, big influence in my life. And as a matter of fact, Arnie ended up leaving the youth ministry and going down to, uh, I think it was Chile, as a minister, wow. him and his wife. And uh, it just, by, by through him, though, I ended up spending a couple years at Baptist Bible College. It's where I met Lynn. And, uh, I, I, you know, even through my unfaithfulness, God's been faithful to me. Absolutely. I mean, I've left. I've left him. Not, you know, him leaving me. I remember Pastor Mike talking about, you know, that it's like if you're in a river and you're flowing with the river and everything, and you, you, you stop or get out, and everything keeps going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you gotta make get right with God and get caught up with things. And I went through. Something back here in um, 1999, I think it was, where they told me I had renal cell carcinoma. Uh, and they were pretty sure of it down at the University of Virginia Hospital. Wow. It was a 
a surprise to Lynn and I because I go every year for a checkup because I have kidney stones so bad. But, uh, and that really kicked the wind out of my sails. Talk about unrest and everything. And uh, anyhow, uh, I came to talk to Mike and Pastor Bob and Terry, and they anointed me with oil back there and everything. And that made things a little bit better. And I'm trying to think of the name of a, of a couple that used to come to church here. As a matter of fact, he's the one who remodeled the auditorium here. Jim and, uh, Jim and Vanessa Makeley. Hmm. But ran into Vanessa and her husband, Jim, someplace. And she said, we're praying for you, Jim. And uh, that, that really, just something about that that hit me. came up to see Bob, and I had a <clears throat> uh, tape of the Stafford Brothers gospel music in mm -hmm. my old pickup truck, a cassette, and uh, it was playing, and I got out and went in and talked to Bob, and him and I prayed and everything, and uh, God was working, and things felt better about that. Come out to the truck, and I turned it on. <clears throat> And it was the guy that sang the bass in there. And part of the song, he's just singing everything. In the song, it said, everything's going to be all right. And I just broke down and cried there and everything. And you know what? I, I may have to face this again someday. But um, that I had such a peace after that time. And I knew going into the surgery, I did, you know, I could die, you know. And what I might find out might not be good and everything, but I did, I can honestly say I had a peace about it, and, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it could only come from God, I don't know where else I could have got that at, but, uh, you're right, and I, I'm not perfect, you can ask Lynn, she'll tell you, <laughs> <laughs> but I've had my ups and downs, like I said, even though through my unfaithfulness, God's still faithful to me, forget that. I've always had a struggle with doubting my salvation. Uh, and I blame that on my dad. <laughs> we were, I was, I guess I was oh, probably about 15 or so years old, and uh, we had a missionary lady that would come to the church. Her name was Mary Baker. She was a missionary to Chad, Africa. And I, she just was such a, a light of God's love. She never married. She was a uh, uh, from up in uh, Pennsylvania and coal country. She grew up poor. She had been engaged in everything, but she just seen that it, something wasn't right. And stuff. Mm -hmm. She went over to Chad, Africa, spent her most of her life over there. And uh, I wanted to be there when she was there. And I'd go down. I would walk about three miles from our house to the church help her set up to get ready and everything. One one morning at the church, one of the other men in the church said something to Dad and, uh, when I was standing by him and everything. He said, well, he said, yeah, he said, Jim's a pretty good kid. He said, but I think he's trying to work his way to heaven by coming here and helping Mary all the time. And that just <laughs> messed with my head. And I know Dad didn't mean anything of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He just was... Uh, Oh. He was playing. He was there. 
church, talked to Mike at times, I talked to Pastor Bob at times and everything, and then I got to have that feeling, you know, peace in my heart that I did accept him as a Savior, even though I think the devil tries to discourage me, is what I think it is. And oh, I, that's, I, absolutely. Then we'll tell you, too, I am not perfect at all, but I do love God, and I want to serve him, and I want to do And what you just described is a textbook version or description of a relationship with Christ. You know, so there's no, there's not a, a single doubt in anybody's mind here that you're saved and going to heaven. But you're right. When we see that the devil comes to still kill and destroy, what is he trying to steal? Of course, he's trying to steal important things. He's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to steal your assurance. He's trying to, he's trying to, you know, steal that part of you that that says, "Hey, I am absolutely going to heaven. I am, I, I am on a solid rock." I mean, so that's part of the stuff that he is trying to steal. You know, I gotta say this too. Russell Larry was near the end of his life and everything. And he told me, he said, "Jim, I should say he used to be a member here. Him and Bonnie used to mow." Hmm? I would just like to add one short comment before I go to Shane. The, the um, when people say to you like I'm praying for you, that is a witness. Because what what are you saying? You're saying that you're saying that I believe God has the power to change your situation. When you tell people I'm praying for you, that that is a witness. I believe God has the power to change your situation. So that that that, that that's important. But what's just as important is when you tell people that, actually do it. Because there's been many times I've ended up stopping because I felt the Holy Spirit convict me. Because I say, oh, I'm praying for you. And like three days later, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you told this person you're, you haven't prayed for him yet. You, you know, and I'd, I'd stop and do just that. Because, but yeah, that, that is a witness. It, it, and it, it left a seed in, in Jim. You know, just to say, hey, I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. Because you are testifying to God's ability to change somebody's life. You're, you're, you're testifying to God's ability to, to make a, a, a situation that's one way into a better thing. You know, so that's... Witnessing doesn't have to be sitting down with every person you meet and going through what we call the Romans Road, the, the, the verses in Rome, the Book of Romans that explains your need for Christ and the fact that it's a free gift. It, 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 that's, it doesn't have to be that with everybody. It could be, hey, I'm praying for you. you, you know, it, it could be, you know, um, you know, somebody, you know, somebody, you know, being sad or depressed and just saying, you know what, I, I, I 
I get it, especially if you really get it, and, and say, you know, what gives me a little bit of a peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. The Bible talks about that. That, that peace is, I get that from God. You know, it doesn't have to be some ginormous, you know, presentation. You don't have to give a sermon to be a witness. You, you know, good, good sharing. Thank you, Jim. Shane?
Absolutely. Well, hey, you, you two guys, you're, you're getting me. Uh, <laughs> you're getting to me this morning. You get, you guys are, you guys are great. But that's that's a perfect example of the, the power that somebody witnessing has. We 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 have, we, and this is one of our deacons. <laughs> you, you know, this, in fact, the last two these are these are half of our deacons. <laughs> And it shows how, how, how the power that, that people witnessing has in other people's lives. And I will, I will have to say this. I, I get the small town thing, not, not to go on a rabbit trail, but it's something I, I think we as, we as church people need to get. One, one of the things that was a hindrance to Shane is the, the, the church in general, at least in my experience, does a really good job of expecting unsaved people to act saved and expecting saved people to be perfect. So, so and, and you know, why is, you know, why would that bring this up? You know, people will come into these doors who don't look like you, who don't talk like you. They might not even smell like you. But, but the reason that, that is, but we, we can't put the same expectation on the world that we have on ourselves. But even amongst ourselves, Jesus shows so much grace. But we don't extend grace to each other. I mean, we are so quick. We are so quick to judge each other. I mean, and that's, that's just, we just, we just are. But all you, thanks for all your, all your all sharing. I mean, that's just, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the influence of people in, in children's ministry having on, 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 on one. You know, the, the, the people that, you know, that, that just come alongside and prayed for us and, and, and shared with us and invited us. This is all witnessing. You know, like I said, you don't have to have a Bible degree or know the Bible front to back. The best witness, in my opinion, in the entire Bible and I'll end with this and we'll pray, because I know I'm, I'm going over. I, I think the best witness, my favorite witness in the entire Bible was the blind guy. The, the, Jesus heals this dude, and then the Pharisees are all worked up. And, and they're like, on the, they want to question him. It's just like, you know, what did he do? What did, they, what, what did he do this? Did he do that? You know, they were trying to find a reason to kill Jesus. And what, what I believe is the most beautiful witness in the entire Bible says, I, I don't know. I only know one thing. I was once blind, but now I see. And, it, and, and why is that? Because of Jesus. You, you know, that's, that, that's just the most simplistic witness. 
And for me, the most powerful words in, 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 in almost any of the Gospels, I don't understand. All I know is I was one way. And because of him, I'm another way. That is being a witness. I mean, that's good, good, good stuff. Absolutely. I just want to thank everybody for your prayers. Hmm? The last two weeks, I was in so much pain, I could barely move. And then I got sick on top of it. And then a little bit of depression settled in. But I could still feel love's prayers. And I just want to say thank you, Adam. Amen. Very good. All right. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dismiss Sunday school. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I just I thank you for these testimonies. I thank you for these, these folks witnessing in here today. Now, that's, it's the, the, the witness of what, what you have done for us and how you have used other people. It's, it's, it's just such a great testimony of, of your abilities and your capabilities and, and how it doesn't matter how far we go or what people say or what they think, you have a way of breaking through and reaching us, God. Just let us be faithful servants. Let us be faithful witnesses. May we share in the way you want us to share and, and, and show us those, those doors. Give us that discernment. Give us that bravery to step through those doors, God. Lord, we want, we want, to, we want, to, we want to be able to meet people in heaven and, and them say, hey, I'm, I'm here because of something that you said to me. You showed me Jesus. And, f- and because of that, I, that, that would be an exciting moment, Father. God, we just ask that you, that you use our lives to bring, to extend the, the, the grace of Christ and not the judgment of the law to not only the world, but to our, to our own God. Let us, let us this be a safe place for folks to come. Let this be a safe place to share. God, and we just ask this because we want to be more and more like Christ. Jesus, Jesus is a, a comforter. He, he brings peace to our lives. That, that's, that's, that's the kind of impact we want to have on, on those around us. Make us more like Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.